Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and there's a non-denominational retreat at the Resolution Center of Jacksonville, Florida. This will be a time of support and renewal for parents and grandparents on the journey of parental alienation. This weekend retreat will take place April 22nd through the 24th of 2022. It's standing strong in resilience, paving the way for good health and a great future. I will have all the details of how to get in contact if you would like to attend in the podcast notes. Right now, I have a brand new guest who I have known for at least three and a half years. Her name is Gemma Bryant. She is a stepmom to three beautiful children. She has experienced the family court system through her husband's custody battle and is here to share how step parents are really treated in the family court system. She shares her experience in order to help other parents and step parents, assuring them that they are not alone in their fight. She will also touch upon the importance of understanding what it is supposed to mean to be an advocate, a true advocate for families, and discuss 50 50 custody and about how children's voices are silenced, forcing to endure abusive environments. We have a lot to talk about. I'm very proud to introduce Gemma Bryant to the show. Hello, Gemma. Hi, Miriam. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk. Um, it's, it's been a long time, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, I can definitely say that when I started this journey with my husband, uh, I had no idea what I was in for. Mm-mm. And and really, you just think to yourself, like, oh, great, you know. He for those of us that that do date and become involved with someone that has kids, you just kind of think to yourself, oh, well, that's great. They have kids. We'll all get along. It'll be all flowers and birds singing and everything. Mm-hmm. That obviously is not the case for my husband. Um, <clears throat> so his battle started in 2016, and. Um, it actually began when his ex took off with the kids and took them out of the state and did not tell my husband. Uh, he found out from his ex-mother-in-law that they were taken out of the state. Um, to this day, uh, the opposing party claims that they were just, they did not move with the kids, but apparently the children were entered into school from where they were taken. Um, but anyway, I I want people to understand, especially when you get involved with somebody with children and they're going through a custody battle, even if it didn't start yet, you should prepare yourself mentally and emotionally. Um, as I stand right now, I really don't consider myself a step-parent. I consider myself a parent. The only thing that makes me a step-parent is that these children are not biologically mine. Mm-hmm but I love them like they're my own. I raise them like they're my own and I take care of them like they are my own. I do everything a parent does. The only difference is there's no biological attachment. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing with the courts is, and it's not just the courts. I found that it's in almost every day that the step parent is not seen as a parent. We're we're in the shadows Mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, we are not acknowledged unless the courts decide that or whatever agency it is decides that we're present. That includes CPS. That includes um, things like if you try to get medical assistance, that's when you start to matter. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's the only time you matter because you're still seen as the step parent. Mm-hmm. Um, the courts are very degrading to a significant other of one of the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, let me correct that. The significant, the significant other of the genuine parent mm-hmm. has been my experience. Um, the schools are the same way. I've been barred from when the, when the kids were in um, their original district before we had custody of them. Um, I was banned from one of the parent-teacher meetings because I'm not a biological parent. And I was told that they can only meet with the biological parents. But 
a year later, I didn't go. And um, the opposing party had their significant other there. And they were welcome. And my husband was like, hold up. I thought that you couldn't meet with anybody but the biological parent. And he was told, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. So there's a lot of control there. And when you go into a case, especially if you're testifying on behalf of your significant other or your husband or your wife, whoever it may be, you have to prepare yourself emotionally and, and mentally for that as well. Because one thing that I've learned is if the kids are going to say something to you that's of importance, make sure the biological parent is in the room to witness this conversation. Mm -hmm. Because what I found was, um, and I know everybody talks about hearsay and they don't like hearsay. In my experience, they allow a certain amount of hearsay. Mm -hmm. If it's told to the biological parent or supposedly told to the biological parent, what they say to the step-parent or the significant other is not of relevance. How do I know this? Because when I was asked what I was told um, by the children, there was an objection made and the opposing party's counsel, counsel objected to saying that it's hearsay and I quote, I'm just the stepmom. Mm. And I can't tell you how degrading that was and how hard it hits you emotionally. Mm -hmm. Because if, I'm sure there's a lot of step parents and significant others like myself that you pour everything into these kids. You're taking care of these kids. You're, especially when you're dealing with a narcissist, you're dealing with somebody that's not stepping up to the plate and you are. Mm -hmm. So to be degraded and unrecognized like that by the courts when you're putting in the work, it, it's emotionally damaging. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then it's kind of like you sit there and you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, why am I just the step parent? And you know, it, it becomes like you start to get that same pattern throughout. So like even with, you know, you, like we have custody now and, you know, the kids are doing well in school. You know, we do deal with the school, but my husband primarily deals with the school because it's always set in stone that they have to speak with the biological parent even though I'm the other parent in the household. Now, if you apply for medical assistance, then all of a sudden you matter because your salary comes into play. Mm -hmm. And that's degrading too, because like, wait, I don't matter except for a dollar sign. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of leads into my next point too, that you have to watch yourself as a significant other or spouse to the genuine parent, you're going to be used as a weapon by the courts and by the opposing party. I, have, I can't even count the amount of times I've been used as a weapon, including in the terms of child support. Because I was brought up because of, in a matter of oh, well, he'll be fine because he has a friend that has a job and she makes plenty of money. And it's like, no, you know, that's not how it works. However, when I jump into argument to defend my husband, it becomes, this doesn't concern you. And I stuck up for myself and I said, oh, yes, it does because I care about those kids. And I also, you know, I also need like financial assistance, like, you know, with help with bills and everything. Mm -hmm. This is the, the opposing party tries to make it a one-sided deal and even accused me of putting my salary up on social media, which I never did. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing. You have to stay sharp. Mm -hmm. Don't allow any anger or resentment 
come in, especially when it comes to the opposing party, make sure you know, like, you know what you're talking about. You know what you're arguing because they do try to twist up your words Mm -hmm. and they try to accuse you of things that you didn't do. And you need to make sure that you stand your ground. Now, obviously, you don't want to go too far out of reach because the person's going to try to coax you into getting physical with them. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Make sure that you can hold yourself to not do that. Because, again, you'll be used as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's just, especially when you, when you go through CPS cases, you know, like you're not recognized as like a parent until there's a complaint against you. And then all of a sudden, you're a part of that same complaint. Even though the focus isn't on you, you're still named as one of the perpetrators. And, and another thing is that I've experienced is, um, watch your schools because the schools do tend to interfere more than they should. And they do cause a ruckus at times because there was an incident where it was picture day. Our oldest was, you know, we sent them in appropriate clothes. And he comes home with a completely set of clothes. So I'm like, oh, was there an accident? No, there wasn't an accident. The aide just felt that they had a better outfit for him. So I sent a letter and I said, um, I'm not going to say completely what I said, but pretty much what I said was, you totally overstepped your bounds. If you have a dress code for picture day, you need to let the parents know And I am appalled about how this was handled. And I went through a few other things that we had issues with. And then later on, they reported us to CPS. There was no truth to any of it, obviously. Now, as as an educator, yes, you are a a mandated reporter. Mm -hmm. However, this was revenge for being stern about you shouldn't have done this, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why parents are afraid to speak up because you have stuff like that and everything is used as a weapon. Now, obviously, like everything worked out, thank God, but, you know, that's a big stressor. And also the fact that like we had no transition period when custody switched, Mm -hmm. it was the opposing party was still right in our face. We had no transition period to allow the kids to settle and, you know, get used to being with us full time. But I can definitely say, praise the Lord, you know, we're, we're making our way, but it's still a very rocky road. So when you do decide to become involved with someone that's involved in a custody battle, or whatever it may be at the time that you enter this relationship, make sure that you're in it for the long haul. Like when you make a commitment to be with that person, make sure you're in it for the long haul. Because trust me, it is a rocky road all the way down. If you can't deal with it, and that's okay if you can't, but if you can't deal with it, don't get involved then. Because it it really is, it's still a very rocky road. There's a lot of emotional and and mental breakdowns that we go through. And there's a lot that you have to fix. Because especially in the case of parental alienation, there's a lot you have to fix. If you are one of the blessed ones that have it work out, that you do gain custody. Mm -hmm. You have to work through that. That doesn't, you know, even if that means you have to get therapy or whatever it is you have to do, it, it's, it takes a lot mm-hmm. and it's draining. So make sure you're in it for the long haul and make sure, especially when you're going through this, I've been by my husband's side from day one. Mm-hmm. Make sure you guys know your custody orders. Know them inside and out. You keep a copy of 
everything. That's something that I was taught when I was younger. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's something that I was taught when I was younger. With anything, keep a record of everything. When you get a custody order, or shall I say when your significant other gets a custody order, make sure you pay attention to the wording. Because I found wording that the courts decided to change unbeknownst to my husband. And I caught it because we had the original copy, which I kept, and we had a copy that they put up on the court website. And by the way, I didn't realize that not all counties did that. But on the county that we deal with, they have all the, um, you just have to look up the case and you can get a copy of the um, orders. So I compared the two and I read them and I'm like, wait a minute, something's off. And they changed a sentence or took a sentence out that literally took legal custody away from my husband. Because in the original order, it said there was shared legal custody. In the other order, in the order that was up on the website, it was, um, it said that the opposing party had sole legal custody. But my husband didn't do anything wrong. So um, make sure you guys know your custody orders. And when you're researching things, because I'm the researcher mm -hmm. uh, of, of our family, but when you research stuff, make sure you know everything. I was surprised when I first got involved with um, a certain so-called advocate that not a lot of people knew that there were 16 factors that are supposed to be applied to every single custody case. When you run down those 16 factors, and I'm telling you, and I'm sure everybody that's experienced this and is on the, the they're the right people, but on the wrong side of the tracks, you will find out really fast how easy it is, how easy it is for these judges to falsely apply these factors to the opposing party, or shall I say, to the unfit parent. It's so easy. And in my mentality, and this is my understanding, as long as they apply those 16 factors, their reasons are justified apparently. <clears throat> Excuse me. So. You know, you, you have to pay attention to this stuff. And it's true. Like, you know, there, there are people, the genuine parents that follow it, that follow everything that they have to do because they're trying, you're trying to get your kids back. You're trying to get that, not just a title. Parent is not a title. Biological parent is a title. Mm -hmm. Just because you created that kid, doesn't mean you're a parent. It makes you a parent in the biological sense because you have biological ties to the kid. It's what you do after that child is born is what makes you a parent. Are you supporting that kid? Are you there for that kid emotionally, mentally, in every way possible? Are you putting that child first? I am, and, and this is not even just from the step-parent side, but I am so tired of hearing but you're not the biological parent no i'm not but i am a parent mm -hmm. there's a difference because i am here emotionally mentally physically for them i'm here i put them first at all times <clears throat> excuse me i put them first at all times there's no question in my mind i mean i could have worn out shoes or you know broken glasses or whatever i don't care that's my stuff as long as those kids have shoes on their feet without holes have clothes that they need have the glasses that they need i don't care what condition my stuff is in mm -hmm. that's me i can take care of me later i need to take care of them first 
So that's the difference between what makes you a parent. And I do feel that in documentation and any kind of um, legislation, I'm sorry, I do feel that step parents should have rights and be recognized mm -hmm. because there are other step parents like myself that step up to the plate, mm -hmm. but then we're still tossed in the shadows because we don't have the biological ties. Meanwhile, you have others that have the biological ties that won't lift a finger, that do the bare minimum, that use the children as a front to use them as like when they're around people to make it look like they're the perfect parent, but they're not. And I think it's crazy. I've looked over and over. One of the arguments I've, I've always thought of was in loco parentis, mm -hmm. only because in simplest terms, it's pretty much an individual that acts in the, in the role of a parent. Um, <clears throat> and I believe, I don't remember because I haven't looked at it for a while, but um, it's almost like with the permission of one of the bi biological parents. Mm. So, you know, I'm acting in loco parentis. I'm in the role of a parent and I'm doing the work. Where are my rights? Mm -hmm. Where are my rights? And we're not heard. No, we're not and, heard. And you have sacrificed a lot. You know, there are good stepmothers out there. You're, you are a rare breed. Thank you. I mean, it's, it just, it takes a lot. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, and I've heard other people on this podcast too. Like I told Marianne, I said, I'm, I'm catching up on episodes, but I've heard other people say the same things. It's the same things. And, you know, and I know I'm going right into one subject into another, but even with 50-50 custody, now here's the thing. This is going to tie right into the advocate um, discussion because when you're an advocate, and I'm not going to speak for anybody else, this is my view on being an advocate for other parents and for other families and even for children that are reaching out and saying, well, this happened to me. You know, I know this shouldn't have happened because I've heard plenty of stories of that too. <clears throat> but when you're an advocate and you agree to be an advocate and you choose to use that label of an advocate, you sure as heck better step up to the plate because I am outraged to see how selfish, how selfish even though some, some of these people went through the same thing, it turns into, I want to be the superstar. I want to be the hero. There is no hero. Mm -hmm. Each and every single person that steps up and fights and speaks out about these injustices are a hero. So when you choose to be an advocate, you need to remember to remain objective. You need to listen to people's stories. You need to check each and every one of them because I've, don't get me wrong, I've been fooled by one or two people. But, you know, I've heard people tell me, that I've heard one person tell me their story and I sat there and I listened to them. You know, I was showing some compassion. But all in all, when you start to put all the pieces together, you're like, something's not right. Mm -hmm. Something is not right. So you, as an advocate, you have, first of all, you have to be careful of who you align yourself with mm -hmm. and really, really ask for that evidence to back up the stories that they're saying. That sucks that parents have to take the extra mile to say, no, but my story is true. This is really what's happening to me here. You have to prove yourself over and over again, but that's what this process is. You have to prove yourself over and over again. But when you're choosing to advocate to people, like I heard of an individual that shared their story and it, it was a very compelling story. And, and, and this happens to a lot of parents too. They become so hopeless that they feel like there's no other way out but to take their own life. This person decided not to do that. Now, I did friend this person 
because I was like, you know what, I'd really like to talk to them more because we also have a certain judge in common. So I wanted to see more about their story and I also want to reassure them, you know, I know it's really difficult not to go down that road when you're being attacked like that, but please know that you're not by yourself. Only to find that this person unfriended me and I didn't know why until I found out later on it was because I was affiliated with a certain supposed advocate that they ended up bullying him and that's why he cut ties and it really stinks as somebody that does now I'm not labeling myself as an advocate I'm here to help people mm-hmm. and I'm here to help fight for what's right but I don't like to say I'm an advocate. I have been given that label, but I don't like to use that label. I try to stay as objective as possible. And you sure as heck, you sure as heck, don't bully people or degrade them or to then all of a sudden say they're a bad person because you don't agree with their views. Mm-hmm. And that's something that happens way too often. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it happened when it came to here in Pennsylvania, people fighting for 50-50 custody. Mm-hmm. Let's make something clear right now. All of us would love 50-50 custody. Here's the reality. You cannot have 50-50 physical custody. You can have 50-50 legal custody. 50-50 physical, unless you guys live really close together, is not possible. How do you find that to be in the best interest of the children, bouncing them from house to house and saying that you can have 50 The children have to reside with one parent at all times due to schooling, you know, due to they need roots that's not saying you push the other parent out of the way no 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 not at all but 50 50 physical is not possible and i can tell you that when i examined the said document my i was i was so not ashamed i was so taken back because i was supporting that at first too and it wasn't just 50-50 custody that was at, at stake here. I'm just not going into detail a lot. But, you know, it'll work. It'll work. And because I spoke up against it, the so-called advocate then told me, I have to send my letter in separately because it wasn't part of the whole. When you're an advocate, you do not choose. All these parents are fighting for the same thing. You need to be open-minded and listen to their views. Well, why do you feel that way? Mm-hmm. All of our experiences, though the underlining may be the same, it's different. Mm-hmm. We, all, we have a different case in severity of our cases. I've heard worse cases than what my husband has gone through. Mm-hmm. Okay? We all have a different level of severity. As an advocate, the reason why you need to stay open-minded and objective is because of those different lines. We're from different counties. We're from different states. You have to accommodate what's going on. But the first thing you have to do is, is this person really in need of help? Because there are people, as we know, and narcissists are big in that area, Creating a persona showing, but I'm the victim, I'm the victim, and you're not. So, as an, if you're going to label yourself as an advocate, you need to take on all the responsibilities of an advocate. Mm-hmm. Remain objective, remain open-minded. Check your facts, people. Mm-hmm. Like, check your facts. People out here need help. They need help. Even if it's something that I do by just letting people know you're not alone in your fight. Do you need to talk? Do you need to vent about it? 
Show up to the courtrooms for these people. Even if you're not allowed in the courtroom, show up. Show up and support these people. If you check your facts and you say, you know what, that's great, then as an advocate, you should say, all right, people, we have a case coming up in this area at this time on this date. Who can come? Who can I count to come? Even if nobody else shows up, you show up. And you show these people. The more we support each other and show up to each other's cases when we can, because I understand people have different schedules, but when you're able to show up for these people that are legitimate, that legitimately need help, that legitimately need support, I can't tell you how scared the opposing party becomes when they see, when they see, oh my gosh, this person has support. So that's what we need to do. No, we don't. I, I'm getting my second master's in criminal law because, or I'm sorry, not criminal law. I apologize. Criminal justice. And I found that between criminal court and family court is not all that different. Mm -hmm. There's a very thin line. And the most disturbing thing is it's mostly, and I've heard this on the podcast too, no cameras, no jury. Mm -hmm. And I've had people say, and I get tired of hearing this too, well, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. I'm not the type of person to sit here and sit with, that's just the way it is. There's something we can do to change this. And it's in the same case of CPS. Mm -hmm. When you go into that too. Now, I'm not saying there aren't good social workers out there, because there are. There are. But with my experience with one of the most corrupted in the state, you know, it's, it becomes like they protect the abuser and they do nothing for the children. Nothing. You know, like you have some, you have a child that it's been proven that the child was neglected and abused and even taken away because of that. Then you have a lawyer for that, for that, um, what's the word I want? For the, um, mm, I can't think of the word right now. But you have the lawyer oh, for that agency. That's uh, what I wanted. Okay. Agency. Um, but then you have the lawyer for that agency, CPS, mm -hmm. standing there, outright admitting outside of court that the judge wanted to put neglect and abuse, but they told the judge not to because they already had it unfounded. Because the letter that stated that the case was unfounded went out, I think, weeks before the, before the hearing took place. But you had somebody from the agency or representing the agency admit to it in front of the concerned parent. Mm -hmm. And then you're standing there at a loss because the conversation's not recorded. And you feel like nobody's going to believe you because, oh, well, of course you would say that. No. Here's what I've been doing. I don't know if people are aware that CPS does release a report for every fiscal year. Mm -hmm. And I posted it on my Facebook before. A link that sends you to those, to the list of near fatalities or fatalities of children. And I've challenged people, and I haven't heard anything, but I've challenged people to go down those lists, read each case, and find out how many were already pre-known to CPS before the child died. Now, there was a case, I, I can't remember the state, and I feel bad that I don't remember the child's name right now, but... um. I want to say his name was Adrian, but I don't think that was it. Um, but anyway, he was known, and this is horrible, because this is the headlines that covered it when this child died. He's known as the child whose body was fed the pigs. I don't know if anybody remembers this story. Yes, but I remember. The, 
and and the child's stepmother now in this case it was a stepmother and the father that was abusing this kid no reason whatsoever malnutritioned everything else they were known to cps in two states two states did nothing the kid even told i believe either a police officer or a social worker this is what's going on and he was still left in that home and you so, were right his name is adrian jones he was seven years old okay thank you so it was adrian um adrian was because i'm not going to call him the boy that was fed the pigs his name was adrian people we need to get the media to stop doing that use the child's name don't use the fancy headline use the child's name adrian mm -hmm. was killed yes and adrian jones mm -hmm. and he uh he told the police that or the social worker whoever it was that he spoke to he he said it that he was being abused nobody did anything and i believe he's also if i'm not mistaken he's also the one that had an uncle that would be in and out of that house that did nothing mm -hmm. and this woman put videos up on facebook showing what she did to him because he was such a quote-unquote bad boy and nothing was done then the child dies and how many people have forgotten him up to this point because i haven't mm -mm. Mm -mm. you also have lucas hernandez was another child killed now granted by a step parent but still you have him in somebody else's custody there was still concerns that went out but then you see they all wash their hands of it do you know how disgusted i am when it comes to child abuse awareness month of how the capital huh i'm talking about you harrisburg mm -hmm. putting up flags in memory of those children that suffer yet you sit there and do nothing you do nothing but then you accuse innocent genuine parents of doing something when they've done nothing and you protect the abusers so you have no right to fly those flags in memory of those children when you do nothing in adrian's case it was two cps agencies that did nothing because they were like well we don't have jurisdiction right now because that's not where they live and it was so difficult because they kept moving across state lines well here's an idea why don't you group together and hunt them down and take the kids away when there's clearly abuse mm -hmm. that's an idea right because when he was age five he told um missouri's <clears throat> missouri children's division worker and a police officer that his father would kick him so violently in the head in the back of his head that a little bone came out and that's what the kansas city star reported mm -hmm. thank you marianne and that was I, when he was five mm -hmm. and they still didn't do anything no. two years later the kid's dead mm -hmm. so what are we doing for our future generation absolutely nothing absolutely nothing but then in the meantime you also have people like some some schools not all schools and i'm not not saying it's the entire school either but sometimes there's an individual in the school like what happened to me and my husband because she didn't like that we put our foot down about you don't change my child's clothes you don't touch my child unless they have an accident and you were to call us and and report it to us so we can come take care of him then you make a false report Mm -hmm. now if you're a mandated reporter and you make a false report you knowingly sorry knowingly make mm -hmm. a false report which this person did then what's your consequence you're supposed to get a consequence mm -mm. Mm -mm. how do i know that huh, i'm one of them i'm a mandated reporter mm -hmm. so if i were to make a knowingly false report then i could get in serious trouble 
So what happened to this other person? We don't know. Just like every single investigation that goes on. Nope. I, I want to know how many people have been notified when you find out and you're the genuine parent. Mm -hmm. Let's make this clear. You're the genuine parent, not the parent trying to point fingers and get you out of the kid's life. You're the genuine parent. Mm -hmm. How many of you genuine parents out there have concerns, legitimate concerns, and you have evidence that whether it's through your child's behavior, because I'm going to tell you guys something. <laughs> Children are not going to tell the truth when the abusive parent's standing right there. Mm -hmm. They're not going to. You can't blame them for that. You can't blame them for that. They're scared. Mm -hmm. You know, but on the flip side, you know, if they're also told to say something that's not true, they'll do that too. So there's devil's advocate in this whole thing too. You just got to fish out the facts. But how many of you that have a legitimate concern with concrete evidence that there's abuse going on and nothing has been done, how many of you are kept up to date about what's going on in the investigation? I would really love to know that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and I've heard, I can't remember who it was. I just heard the podcast yesterday, though. They were talking about CPS. I was talking about, um, oh, shoot, I just lost my train of thought. They were talking about something about CPS. What was it? Oh, I just lost it. Was it that they placed the kids with the mother of the, the parent's oh, mother? No, there was something about, it was something general. And I, I see how quickly I always lose my train of thought. Um, not always. That's an understatement. Um, no, it's yeah. not always. I think you're doing pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. But um, with CPS, it was something about um, how they conduct things. And I can't remember exactly what it was. Anyway, if it comes back to me, I'll say it real quick before I lose my train of thought. But, you know, but they do, though. Like, it's, you know, it, it's like, I think Marianne had said something similar to this on the podcast before about how they have good intentions, but it's just not, it's pretty much not carried out. I don't remember the wording you used, but I, I think you were the one that said it, Marianne. And uh, yeah, they're a dollar a day late and a dollar short. Yeah. Because, and then they claim that they don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't even reach out to anybody in, in the higher ups because they do the same thing. How do I know? I've done it. Mm -hmm. See, everything I share, it's something I've experienced. I may not go into detail because sometimes you do have to be careful mm -hmm. at this point. But, you know, really, if we would just group together and do this, you know, that I think that we would have a better chance. Mm -hmm. You know, but don't fall for the whole, well, that sounds good. Because mm -hmm. trust me, I did that in the beginning of this. I was so desperate to find people that was going through the same thing. To be like, we need help. And that's mm -hmm. the other thing, too. There are so many agencies out there. Now, I'm not going to say I completely disagree with this. However, I did hear recently, too, again, from your podcast, Marianne, <laughs> um, that people, but I've heard this outside the podcast, too. You know, yes, it, you know, it does save you a lot of money to represent yourself. You know, yes, parents do go into genuine parents, go into debt, you know, trying to have a fighting chance. And the reality is not everybody has that confidence to represent themselves, you know. And the thing is, there's nobody there to help them because I can't tell you the amount of organizations that claim to be there to help parents. Don't help them. Mm -hmm. Even supposed lawyers that I've seen in, in the so-called movement claim that they're here for parents. I'm going to tell you guys something. I've reached out to some of these people, and they haven't helped us. It turns into, well, I don't know what to tell you. That's just how it is. 
something just don't sound right, well, I'm going to leave you to it. Good luck on your journey. But these are the same people that keep their faces out there and say, oh, we support parents that are trying to get their kids back and suffer these injustices. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that people have to give out a lot of money or anything, but I can tell you that if I did have the finances to set up a foundation on my own to help parents that need legal representation, mm -hmm. I would do it. I would do it. Because these parents are still the same parents that are bogged down with, with unbelievable amounts of child support. Mm -hmm. That they take every dime. Because I'm telling you, in my husband's case, like, I'm not, I can't disclose too much. But, you know, he, he, they took everything he had. Mm -hmm. he, they really did. And, but with the opposing party, it's like way less. And it's just like, I'm sorry, it's for the same amount of kids. And the kids get, when the kids get older, they do need more. Mm -hmm. Because you're constantly, you know, buying them new clothes. And I'm not complaining at all. I am so blessed that I'm able to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm so blessed that I'm able to do this, but it's not without its difficulties. And a lot of parents know that out there. And here's the other thing. If, if you're in the same thing with child support, I'm going to share this little tip with y'all. Because a lot of people have said the same thing. Well, they can only take 55% of your paycheck. Well, they can only take 55% of your paycheck. Let me tell you something. Legally, they're only supposed to take 55% of your paycheck. Behind the scenes, not only do they take 55% of your paycheck, they expect you to call in with the rest of it. And I know that from experience. So essentially, this is why there are people that are down now that have the shorter end of the stick that are taking their lives because their finances are in complete ruin because of everything. The system does not work for the children. It does not work for genuine parents. because. I have heard many stories, I have seen many stories, I've even experienced how down in the rut these people will make you. I've seen innocent, genuine parents that, yes, they go to debtor's prison, they go, they go to jail for not paying their child support. Well, then they say, you're going to remain there until you can pay the child support. Um, sorry, sorry, logic tells me mm -hmm. that if you have somebody in prison and they're not working and you have them lose their job, how are they going to pay the child support you just ordered them? And the child support should then change because if they're the cause of the person losing their job, then don't you think that's due for a modification mm -hmm. and that it should be like, hmm, well, they're not working right now and stuff. And you put all these conditions on them, and then you go, here, go out and find a job. You just gave them an arrest record. Mm -hmm. You gave them a criminal record. So that's going to be a little bit more difficult to find a job unless you have some kind of counselor that's willing to work with them to help them find a job that's willing to give them a job and then base the child support off of that. It's very teeter-tottery because you also have people out there that will purposely, and yes, this does happen, um, that purposely switches jobs every once in a while because I suspect it's to get a lower paying job to get out of paying that much in child support, which isn't even that much to begin with. So what do you do? You can't pay your bills. You become homeless. Mm -hmm. You become homeless. You get slapped for that too. Mm -hmm. And they take your driver's license. They'll take your passport. Right. So where, so where, I'm sorry, where, where's the vindication in that? How does somebody come back from that? You just set them up for failure. Mm -hmm. And I, and I've heard a lot of people say you have to educate. I've heard you guys say too, and I'm not putting it down. So please don't take it that, um, you know, that, you know, you need to educate this, the court system. Here's how my mind works. 
we've all been through the ringer. We all know what's right from wrong. So how does it, if you take, if you take, take the term parental alienation out of there for a moment, think about how many judges have kids. Mm-hmm. Now, if you sit there and you go, hmm, let's do a little study, shall we? Take a judge, take their kids, sit there, talk to the kids. Now, you wouldn't really do this because you don't want to psychologically damage the kids. This is just a hypothetical. Right. So don't get all excited on me. This is just a hypothetical. Okay. If you were to take their kids and put all this bad stuff in their heads and keep them away from their parent for a while and be like, they don't want you. They don't like this. They don't like that. You're controlling the phone calls that come in, but you don't let it come in. Mm-hmm. You're controlling like how much they see the other parent. And then I would like to see how many judges change their minds of like, how would you feel if this was happening to you? Mm-hmm. How many judges do you think would change because of that? We just did the same thing to your kids. Mm-hmm. Not that we would because, see, we are genuine parents with a heart that understand the psychological damage done to not just the kids but also the parent. Mm-hmm. You're taking a parent away and everything. So. That's stuff that you need to know. Like, you, you really have to educate yourself. Don't take what people say. Please don't take what people say up front at face value. You have to do the research yourself. Mm-hmm. You can always, um, I know Marion's going to bring this up later, but I mean, you can always contact me um, if you need to talk about something and be like, hey, I need to say something, you know, I need to send this to you. What does this look like? Now, you know, if you do send something to me, don't get alerted if I don't answer right away. I, I am very busy. But that doesn't mean that I won't make time for you. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I hit on everything. But, um, you know, this is just stuff that you guys need to be aware of. You can get through this mm-hmm. no matter the outcome. Because the other thing I don't like, and I'm sorry, I'm, this is one of the last few things I want to say too. That's okay. Um, because I heard Mary say this too on the podcast that, you know, people do say a lot like, well, just wait till they're 18. It'll be fine. No, 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 no. Here, here's something that you guys need. I hate when people say that. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, you're 18. Listen, when you, to me, this is just me. Now, I'm not saying people mean it this way. But personally, when I hear people say that, I'm like, so pretty much what you're telling this person is give up on your kids, don't fight anymore, and you'll get them back when they're, that doesn't always happen because you have all that time that the other, that the opposing party has all that time to control them, has all that time to feed them all this stuff. What else is the kid going to think when they're cut off from the other parent? And then what are you going to say? Oh, well, I waited till you were 18 because everybody said it would be fine. Mm-hmm. No, guys, I, th- there's two things that you need to understand because I know how exhausting, how draining this is, and how frustrating it is. If you feel, first of all, you need to make the best decision for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you put yourself in a position that you're emotionally straught, how are you going to be able to, you know, function? You know, you want to you want to present yourself really like in the best light that you are. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean be perfect. It just means you want to be in the right state of mind, especially for your kids. But don't feel ashamed because I can tell you there are times of hopelessness, especially when you can't afford a lawyer or you have trouble finding a good one, that you're just like, what do I do? I'm done. Like, my kids are gone. And, and honestly, like, don't feel that way. Like, I, well, I shouldn't say that. Try not to feel that way. Work on, work on, like, thinking, okay, here's my position. What can I do? And this is why there's organizations out there, and I hope you all are listening, too. The organizations out there that claim to help parents, you all need to listen up and step up your game. Because I'm not saying you need to put out billions of dollars but maybe y'all should start finding some funding 
mm-hmm. to help these parents that can't afford it or are having are going into a lot of debt because of it and help them out financially, mm-hmm. especially in this time. You want to help people? Do it as best as you can, but do it to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. Because there are just people that, that are suffering financially. And they can't get the representation. And some of them don't have the confidence to, to do it by themselves. That's stress. Mm-hmm. To, to put yourself up there by yourself. And then they don't take you seriously. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen it with my own eyes. They degrade you even more if you stand up there. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means if you don't, if you, if you don't feel you can, that's okay. But you should have an outlet to help you instead of just sitting, instead of just feeling like, well, I can't do it. These people, these parents, these children need some kind of hope that they have a future. And that's what we have to invoke in these people. So you want to make a change? Fine. Let's get a group together. Let's discuss what we're going to do instead of jumping on the bandwagon of somebody else that's doing it wrong, that's looking for a spotlight. Let's get groups together. Let's get groups together. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to fight as one voice, but it's a lot easier to fight when you've got a whole bunch of people. Let's start showing up to these court dates. Let's start, you know, even if we can't, give them a phone call that day. Hi, I can't be there, but I want you to know that you got this. Mm-hmm. We need to start doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Let's see, how much, let's see how much we can change around with that. You want to talk about 50-50 custody? Fine. 50-50 legal. Mm-hmm. Let's be fair with the physical. Let's work on the physical. Mm-hmm. Because they differ from circumstance. Don't do that to the kids. Mm-hmm. Don't don't make them feel like they're bouncing around all the time. They need some kind of stability. So unfortunately, they have to be with one parent the majority of the time. But be fair. Mm-hmm. Be fair. Right, and, and don't run someone into the ground with having to have X amount of dollars for child support and a corrupt mm-hmm. judge that imputes some figure that she dreamed up, I don't know, on the bench, then goes and adds $3,000 to that parent's arrears. It -hmm. just goes on. And these poor parents are suffering. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, some people think, well, just, you know, these parents should go to jail. If they're not paying child support, well, I'll tell you what, that affects the kids. Mm -hmm. Because... You know, uh, when I went in to debtor's prison, um, somehow someone at the school district put, put this rumor out that I was in prison and my younger two were made fun of. Mm-hmm. And uh, it feeds into. Yeah, yeah. And then there it was all feeds in. Right. Sorry. An, oh, that's okay. And there was an altercation between, you know, one of my children with, with the father. So this is how this angers kids. So prison is not the answer. And you're ruining somebody's, um, <clears throat> their life anyway. Because mm-hmm. like I said, when you do that, because they can't, you know, pay the child support, think about the unrealistic numbers. Mm-hmm. Why are you going by somebody's gross? That's mm-hmm. not what they bring home. Right. That's not what they bring home. You're, you're not accounting for the taxes that come out of their paycheck. For instance, like take somebody that makes, that would make like, I don't know, $800. By the time you get all that out, they're left with like, what, 132? Mm. For like, that, that's just a roundabout number, for like the next two weeks. This person is supposed to have rent or a mortgage or a car payment. You know, they they don't, now, granted, I've seen the sheets for child support, but they're like, well, what are your expenses? They still don't take that into account, though. They're going for the gross amount. And then again, if you have a significant other that makes decent money, then they're brought into the picture because it's like, well, you don't have any kids with them, so 
You don't need that much money. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. You still need to make a living. And it's like you may not have a kid with, with your current significant other, but you have other children that you got to take care of. So now tell me who's dismissing the other children. Because they do have children to take care of. And I can tell you from my experience that sometimes the person brought in for child support isn't even the one refusing to give money for their kids. Mm -hmm. They're just being brought there to get more money. Mm -hmm. Even though the other genuine parent is willing to say, is willing and says, here's a really good example, an example of the opposing party saying something like, well, I got to take the kids to the dentist. So like, would you be willing to pay half? And you have the genuine parent say, yeah, let me know when the appointment is and I'll come and I'll pay, you know, I'll split the cost with you. I don't know. That's kind of like 50, 50 mm -hmm. and co-parenting. Why don't we do that? Then you never get a date for that appointment. You never get a cost for the appointment. But then when you enter court, all of a sudden it's, they don't never give me money for nothing. But guys, I'm sorry for the voices. That's just how I tell stuff. But, but like seriously, like, and, and I know there's a lot of people out there that that happens to, that you have the genuine parent that says, I was willing to pay. I was willing to give you money. I outright said, if you need money for something, let me know. We'll be willing to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not, and, and to me, and I'm sorry, child support is used to keep um, unfit and abusive parents and the lives of kids that they want nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Exactly. And then and then the government can get their share, so they're making money off of it. So why end such a process? Mm -hmm. When it should be. Yeah. If the if the other parent shows their true colors and is like, you know what? They don't want nothing to do with them, fine. Have nothing to do with them. And I'm and I believe in this too. Just because you choose, you know what? I don't think I want to be a parent. You can have the kids. To me, that shows more love and respect for the children than it is to keep them and use them as a weapon mm -hmm. against the other parent. If you really cared about your kids, have the life that you want. There's no shame in that. Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, and then you can just, I mean, it's not that, it's easier said than done, but at least then you can tell the, you know, you have the other one or you yourself can tell the kids, listen, it's not that I don't love you. I just, you know, this just is not right for me. Mm -hmm. I love you enough to admit I don't want this. Mm -hmm. So have the life that I know you can have. That's just like for people that put kids up for adoption. Mm -hmm. Give the kid up for adoption. That's the most love you can show them. Mm -hmm. You know you can't support them or you don't want to be a parent. That's fine. It's okay. Own up to it. Don't put these kids through hell because I'm telling you what's hell is not only what the kids go through, but then when you have to undo everything, that the unfit parent did and does. Mm -hmm. That's exhausting. It is. It is. Um, and it takes a really long time. So, you know, just own up to it. That's all you got to do. I don't know why people make this so difficult. Mm -mm. But it's, like I said, it's not all black and white, but mm -hmm. I mean, have some sense. <clears throat> it's all about the money. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a shame. Um, but oh, I'd like to have you on again in the future. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now, what is your email address if you want to say it for everybody? Uh, everybody can reach me at Gemma Lee Bryant, and don't worry, I will spell it for you. It's G as in Gloria, E M as in Mary, M as in Mary A, L as in Larry. E E as an Elliot, um, <clears throat> B as in boy, R Y A N as in Nick, T 
T is in Tom at hotmail.com. And I'll put that in the podcast notes as well. So awesome. uh, <laughs> I'm so I'm I made it a little difficult because I made it long. Yeah. But um but that's my official email. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's okay. So, mm-hmm. And you, and this was a great podcast. I'm so glad to have you on and we're going to get you back on when you when you're ready. Thank you, Marianne. I'm I'm excited to have this opportunity. Oh, well I was too. I was too. So don't jump off. Uh, Slam the gavels of podcasts help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again in the future here with Gemma and other exciting guests and episodes. Thank you again, Gemma. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.